Hey everybody, it's Chet Czar. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast, episode 193. Uh, this is this is a crossover episode. This is the Drawing with Experience crossover ep- episode. Um, my friend Shane Isaacowski from the Dark Art Society and an artist I show with, he uh, has a podcast called uh, Drawing from Experience, and he suggested we do kind of a crossover episode, which sounded interesting to me. Um, so basically, he kind of interviewed me. Uh, you know, I want to help promote his podcast, and um, so I guess this is kind of like an interview of me on the podcast, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's a great, great discussion. Um, really fun to do. Easy, free-flowing conversation. Lots of interesting things were said. You know, one thing I wanted to mention is that I was uh, thinking about this last night, like I always do. I never listen to the podcast after I record them because I don't like the sound of my own voice and it bugs me kind of. So I only listen if I have to edit. But I was thinking, so I didn't hear, I didn't listen to this yet, but I do remember talking. We got into this kind of deep discussion about God and reality and this and that. And um, basically the the premise of everything is what, you, you know, you know me, I like to talk about this stuff. I don't shy away from it. I know a lot of people probably don't agree with me, but, um, uh, you know, I was kind of talking about this idea like there's nothing to be afraid of because everything is God, basically. Everything is okay. It's all just, you know, hidden forms of whatever you want to call God, this thing, the universe. And I was thinking last night, you know, as much as I really do believe that, uh, it's kind of a privileged position to take. You know, I can say that easily because my life's pretty good. But, you know, if I was some starving person in another country, it might not be so easy to feel that way. Or if, you know, somebody I loved was run over by a car the other day, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just not, I understand. I just wanted to say, I understand that that's kind of a privileged position to take. Uh, I still believe it, but, um, I'm not unaware that, uh, you know, it's hard to think of things in that way sometimes. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to say that because I, I, I could see, you know, someone going, really going through it right now, hearing that and going like, well, that's easy for you to say because you're not blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of true. And it just comes down to what I, what my ultimate theory on everything, which is there is no answer. There's no answer. There's no easy answer for anything. Life, it just isn't like that. If there was an easy answer, we probably would have figured it out by now and uh, everything would be cool. Anyway, so I just wanted to give that little disclaimer before we start. But the conversation was awesome, really fun. Um, I've been, you know, I've been doing my usual thing, still working, working on commissions. It's feeling good getting some of the stuff done. Pretty good for the first, you know, the first month of the year. I'm feeling like I'm coming out ahead. Still haven't got my update from on the book, the updated. I got, I need to, you know, I think I was supposed to get it a few days ago and. She might be a little late on the update, but that's all good. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing too exciting. 
Um, so let's get on with the new subscribers. There's a lot of new subscribers this week, which is amazing. Oh, and uh, so last last week, according to Randall B. Perkins, the resident keeper of the new subscribers list, which I appreciate very much. Uh, last week, I left off with Ors Tier Studios. Ors Tier Studios. I think I pronounced it wrong. And, and I was corrected, so apologies for that. Okay, another new subscriber, Nicholas Lowry. Thank you, Nicholas. And James Hancock. Thanks, James. I'm gonna, I, I, I believe this is the James Hancock whose podcast I'm going to be on this week. I don't know if it's airing this week, but I'm going to be interviewed this week. Um, the Wrong Real podcast, I believe. Uh, we have another uh, – thank you. James, and we have another uh, subscriber, Ma Maruta. Thank you, Maruta. And we have another, Daniela Fayad. Thank you, Daniela. And still more, Emma Michaela. Thank you for subscribing. And finally, we have 2DES. Two, two 2Ds. To Des. Well, in any case, I appreciate you supporting the podcast and subscribing. Couldn't do it without you. It would be happening without you for sure. Um, oh, there's another one. A brand new one from today. Heather Mages. M-A-G-E-S. Thank you, Heather. Uh, really appreciate all of you. It's uh, so cool to see this, this support. Um, coming in, uh, it seems like we're having a bit of a growth period. It's a, I, uh, it's just kind of a feeling I get and seeing the new subscribers and, and, um, hearing about the podcast more from other sources and stuff. So that's a good sign. It's a good sign to keep things growing, keep things going. All right. I guess that's it. Not much excitement here. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's nothing new. There's nothing new. But that's okay, because this is a great interview and, and a really fun discussion. And we talk about a lot of cool things, especially that, you know, pe dark artists particularly will be interested in hearing and, um, you know, but we get, we get deep as well. And uh, I don't know, he, Shane interviews me kind of about my career and, and stuff. So it's, um, it's a good one. Okay, anyway, let's get on with it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy episode 193, the crossover episode with Shane Isaacowski. Here we go. On today's episode, I have... A very special guest, uh, somebody who I look up to in the dark art community and in the art world and also in the movie industry because he has worked on films that I happen to grow up with. And uh, so I have today on the podcast, I have Mr. Chet Czar. Thank you for joining me, Chet. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this crossover episode. 
Yeah, I'm excited. This is the first of my crossover episodes. And of course, this is episode number 100 for me. So it took me, yeah, this episode is number 100. And it it took me, I don't know, like a year longer than it should have taken me to reach 100. But (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not sure what this is going to be for me. Now I got to look at this is like 190 or something like that. Something 190 something. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look. Hold on, because you know this is for my podcast too, so I gotta, yeah. you know, I, I gotta put some info. Yeah, <laughs> this is episode. It'll be 193 for me. Nice. So. Wow. Oh, that's so weird. Because the episode that you um, interviewed me was number 93. I really? Yeah. That's so that, funny. That that happened like With Mike, right? Yeah. 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 How weird is that? That's fucking crazy. Okay. Yeah, his was 89. His last one was 89 <laughs> and his new one was 189. I think that's Wow. That's so cool. Like that. yeah, yeah, something like that. Wow. All right. Well, numerology, <laughs> which is uh, which is like a theme in your life. Kind of. Yeah. I never yeah, thought about it, but it, it so is. Cool. And it's just like um I I actually just recently rewatched your documentary, uh Chet Zar, I like to paint monsters, which is directed by Mike Carell and um, man, there's so much good shit on that documentary. Oh, thanks. It is yeah, really I know, good. I know. I, I, that's the thing. It, it's the same. I feel the same way about, you know, how when you do, you know, your own stuff, you're like super critical and like your own work and it's kind of hard to really. Yeah. To like, like yeah, separate yourself great. and, and look at it objectively. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like, I feel the same way with my uh, black magic book. Cause I, mm. and that one, and that's, I guess both of them are, um, two things that I didn't actually do myself. So yeah. maybe it's easier for me, but it's still hard to separate yourself when you're like the subject of something. But I always think like, Oh my, this book is so good. And, and this documentary is like really good. And yeah. it's not just be, it's not like me going, I'm so great. Like, I'm so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that at all. It's like, as a, I'm such a fan of documentaries. I'm like, damn, this thing really holds up. It really. Yeah. The documentary, it. it touches upon so many things. And also like, I've heard you guys talk about it um, so much and uh, about this idea of it kind of partway through the process. It's switched over to a documentary about dark art. Yeah. rather than just you and you can mm. kind of like when you're watching it you can feel the shift right um and you know because at the beginning it's talking to like your family members and about your early life and so like from a director standpoint and just like trying to steer into this like narrative of what your life is and then you start seeing it shift over to other people who are a part of your life or your art life. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into this bigger story. So it's just, it's just this really beautiful transition. I love it. And there's, there's just some, some really interesting uh, and powerful statements in there. One thing that stood out to me was about uh, the power, the power of myth, I think it was called. Um and you were talking about like operating on a cosmic level by following your bliss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a uh, it's an interview with Joseph Campbell. And I was just curious if you can if you could like talk about that a little bit more because it's sort of it's along the lines of 
what I talk about on this show a lot mm-hmm. about, about following your bliss and about doing the thing that you're meant to do in this life. And I'm just curious, you know, for artists who are trying to find their way and trying to do the thing that they're meant to do. And sometimes it's really difficult to find that thing, you know? So I'm just curious if you could talk about that a little bit and how essentially like how you found your way. And uh, it just, it seems like over the, the span of your career, not just your art career, but your special effects career and everything, it's from the outside. It looks like it was an easy road. Like you just kept doing the fucking thing that you were meant to do. But you know, it's like a lot of us just find, find ourselves kind of lost, you know? So how, you know, do you have any advice on, on people finding their bliss? Yeah. Well, you know, well, first off the follow your bliss thing, the thing, the thing about once that that was in the documentary and I saw that I was like, I'm kind of explaining it. And I felt kind of like, Oh man, I, sort of feel like a dummy explaining it because the, everybody kind of knows this already. Right. Like it yeah. seems like in popular consciousness, everybody's heard follow your bliss before. And so I, I wonder if that sounded like uh, patronizing or, or, or something like that. When no, I, you know, no, I don't think it did, but I mean, assuming like nobody knows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe I, but anyway, no, I that's, understand that's beside the point. But um, you know, when you go, when you do, when you see a documentary being made about you yourself, you, you know, you pick apart everything, you second, you, guess every, yeah, everything. You second guess everything, <laughs> but basically the idea, you know, everybody probably knows it, but it is from Joseph Campbell. Uh, I think it's from the power of myth book and Bill Moyer Moyers or Moyer Bill. Oh, I forgot if it's got an S at the end. Anyway, he interviewed Joseph Campbell about basically his teachings. It's called the power of myth. And it's a series. It was a series of interviews he did with Joseph Campbell, like 10 of them or something. And he goes through all these like archetypal myths in the world. And uh, this was in, and this came out in the nineties, like the early nineties, I think. And uh, at least that's when I found it. He talks at one point about there's this quote his, the quote is, if you, if you follow your bliss, the, what is it? Doors that were previously closed will open for you or something like that. Basically mm-hmm. saying, if you're doing your life's purpose and you're on that path, things will open up for you and, and allow you through to get there. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I was kind of, my mom was very much like that. And she, she kind of raised me like that. So I always had that belief but at the same time, I never, I don't know. I, I, uh, I hadn't felt like I really tested it because, um, I don't know the makeup effects thing. I was, I got into makeup effects when I was like 12 years old and I started making masks and, and, um, I just got really obsessive about it. And then I got work in that industry, like, um, maybe a year after I graduated high school because I, you know, I lived in near LA. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. a great stretch and I was pretty, pretty good at it for my age. So I was able to get a job. So that didn't really seem like that magical in in that way. But then I tried making it in a band also. And, and that I thought was my bliss. I felt like that was Mm -hmm. my, I enjoyed doing that. And that just would not happen. It would not happen. 10 years I was doing it, grinding and grinding and grinding. I just couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. And the, the music I thought was good. Everything was good. And it just never happened. And then I got so burnt out. I, you know, the last time the band, um, I mean, that was my primary focus while I was in makeup effects. It was weird. It was like, that's what I wanted to do. And then the band broke up 
the last iteration of the band broke up and I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to let this go. It was really painful. I'm going to stop. Um, I'm going to try doing computer animation now because I started getting really into computer animation. And then I tried starting a small computer animation business, got a few jobs, but it didn't really pan out. And um, then at that, around that point I was going, you know, I should really, um, I start thinking like, well, maybe these things weren't my bliss. Like the, maybe music wasn't my main, my real bliss. Yeah. You know, it's like, I love music, but maybe part of what your bliss is, is not only what you really want to do, but what you're meant to do and what you're really good at also. And I was like naturally a better visual artist than a musician for sure. Um, So I started thinking, about the follow your bliss theory and, and, and a lot. And I was, cause I was at this weird point where I was like, you know, I've gone as far as I, I want in makeup effects. I, you know, there's not a lot of, there wouldn't have been much of a pay up upgrade. I was kind of like at the top level of sculpting and designing and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I maybe could make a little more money, but I just was done. I was burnt out on it. So I started thinking, so I was kind of at this crossroads and I was thinking, you know, I really believe the follow your bliss theory. So I should, I'm going to try and test it. So what is my true, what would, if I could just do anything I wanted to, what would that be? And, and I was, and I just was like, you know, I just, it just occurred to me that being a fine artist painting monsters would be my bliss, but it was like so unlikely that that's going to possibly get a work. Cause it's like, <laughs> this is like the 2000, the year yeah. 2000 and it was there was no market for horror dark art there was no scene at all and there was no there wasn't really anywhere to to go with it and it just seemed like okay this is unlikely enough to test if this theory is true it's you know it's kind of got to be like a, a sort of a somewhat unlikely thing to really test this theory yeah so i so i just went for it and i started painting floundered for a while, but I, I kept with the monster thing and, um, and it did, and it started, the door started opening, but it was like, you know, a good, for the first five years were a total grind with not a lot of success really, but I kept grinding. I kept doing it. I kept pushing. I was working at effects during the day and I was painting at night and on the weekends, I was just, you know, one thing you can say, you could, if you don't believe in the woo woo stuff or the follow your bliss, you could say that I was just grinding. Uh, you know, I was completely committed to this goal. I was like, yeah. nothing, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. It's just yeah. like I was determined completely, but I was that determined with the band too. That's the mm-hmm. weird thing, you know, and it didn't, the doors never opened in that respect. It was always like not quite working, but um, you know, I was seeing a little bit of, progress with the art and I just was stuck with it. And, um, you know, about 10 years in, I was able, or maybe 10, 10 or so years into that career, I was able to actually leave makeup effects, but it was, and then it was still a grind. It's still super scary because then I didn't have any source of income other than my artwork, you know, for till last year, pretty much. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Maybe. I mean, not, that's not true. Cause I've been making, I've been living off my artwork since when was that movie landed lost me? That's, that's, how I, oh, that's gosh. how I judge it because that was the last movie I, I worked on that I got laid off of where mm. I said, I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. It's that stupid Will Ferrell remake. Mm, right. So uh, I never even saw it, but I, it's got to suck. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine it's, <laughs> I'm sure the um, makeup's great though. <laughs> yeah. The sleeve stacks were awesome. I mean, that's yeah. what we worked on, um, just, you know, any, it's, it's, it's probably stupid. Okay. Uh, I have to look. Okay. 2009, 2009. Okay. So yeah, since about 2009, I was, um, making it on my own in art, yeah. but it was really, 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 really hard work always working to the point of exhaustion constantly you know this yeah. you're going through this you, you, i see you online and it's like i know it's like i'm like i remember that i know exactly <laughs> what he's talking about you know and it's and it's yeah. so it's like i i feel for you but i also know it's like you're doing what you got to do it's yeah do. i'm and definitely he doesn't do it yeah i'm i'm definitely in that stage right now and i'm just curious like those first few years when you're grinding really hard and you're like, I know this is the thing. And then there's those moments where you're like, how am I going to pay my bills? This is what uh, ends yeah. up happening with me. I'm like, how am I going to pay my bills? And then I end up, I feel like, I don't want to say stupid, but I feel like something that there's like this selfishness to what I'm doing where mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make my art for the world, you know, and then I'm going to sell it. And then I'm like, I can't even pay my fucking bills sometimes. And I'm just, so I end up having this, like, you know, it's a, it's this really terrible process. And, um, where I'm just like, I doubt it a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. but then I'm, I'm, I continually just hold on to this hope that it is going to work out, you know, with, these kinds of ideas of following your bliss. And I'm like, I'm fucking following it. Help me universe, you know? So, I mean, what, you know, those first few years, how did you, how did you manage to just stay on it? Aside from just like determination and, and hope, like, do you have any, like any tips on, let's just say, you know, some, one thing that they talk about, a lot of people talk about is, you know, like revenue streams. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't only rely on painting sales to make a living. So what other ways to continually make money, make money on a consistent basis? Nowadays we have Patreon, which is Mm -hmm. great, which we can get into as well. But you know, what other tips do you have for people who are maybe struggling to just keep art as their full-time gig? Well, you know, a big turning point for me was really getting my print game going. Um, once that was huge is prints, prints, yeah, prints, print sales, print sales. I mean, that's because it's, it's, uh, they're affordable, you know, people that don't collect originals can, can support you and collect prints. And so that, that was something I saw uh, friends of mine like Cam DeLeon and Gabe Leonard were doing really well with prints. And so I kind of was like following, get, getting their advice this is the other thing I did. I, I Let me say the one thing that kind of kept me going too, aside from the fact that I had the support of, you know, my wife and my family, everyone was, no one was giving me shit, which was nice. Um, everyone was like along for the haul, but the the kind of guidepost for me the thing that i that kept me going through the hard times was it was that i kept, i was able to make the artwork that i wanted and i really loved the artwork i was making like every time i finished a painting that was that i liked i was like oh this is such a 
I love it. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is, this is exactly what I was trying to do, or it's as, at least as good as I wanted to do. And so that's what kept me going is looking mm. at the work and going, being, creating another successful piece and believing in the work. You know, it's, it was like the belief in the artwork that kept, like, if I like it this much, there's gotta be other people out there that like it at least half as much or yeah. enough to, you know, support it. But Anyway, so that that was kind of like I said, that was sort of like a, a, a guiding light, I guess, when I felt down because I had doubts, you know, for sure. Every once in a while, I was like, what am I doing? You know, it was I one of the big things that I uh, also practiced and that I would suggest to people is I did everything that I had to do to make it work. Like I I took art marketing classes. I learned about business stuff. I asked people I knew that were successful, more successful than me. I asked people advice. I went to all the show openings. I made connections with all the galleries, all the stuff I didn't want to do at all, you know, cause I'm an introvert. I want to stay in and paint. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I remember at a certain point I was like, okay, you suck at talking to people. <laughs> you don't like being in crowds. You're going to have to deal with this. You're going to have to go alone to this opening. Cause no, none of your friends want to go with you tonight because you're in this show and you have to make con contacts with people and network and be part of the scene. And I was just like, I just did not want to do it, but <laughs> I, I just did it. I just made my, I just like, I have to do it. There's no, you know, if, if this is, if I'm going to do it, no matter what, this is one of those, no matter what things I got to do, yeah. you know? So I did all the bullshit you don't want to do that, that keeps people maybe from fully realizing it. Like I know a lot of people that, are just like, yeah, but I don't want to deal with prints mm -hmm. or, or I just don't want to do it. I, my heart's not into it. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. my heart wasn't into it either, but I did it because I had to, had to, in order to survive. And then, um, you know, also, I guess, um, uh, trying different things as far as revenue streams go, you know, I got, I knew the print thing was working. I tried shirts for a long time and it was like, that ended up just not even really. Yeah. I'm trying to like, figure that out right now. I, I say threadless is the way to go. It's mm. like do a threadless store and don't expect to really make much money from it. Just, yeah. it's just a little bit extra and it's, you don't have to put anything up front. Cause I was having to buy like 70 shirts at a time. Mm. And, at, and at the time it was like 500 bucks or whatever, or 700. Yeah. And it's like, that was a lot of money totally for me to just put out like that. So I would try different things, experiments and failures and curating shows and failing at curating shows. I, I did some shows I thought were great, which were just bombs, complete bombs. Mm -hmm. I did a Ouija board show, which I thought was a cool idea and a cool show. Everyone did a great job. Didn't sell one piece. Oh my I had God. All these good artists in it. I did a tattoo artist painter show that was full of all this great work. No one bought, I don't think one thing sold maybe one thing. I don't know. And, um, I just kept trying things and then I hit, yeah. then I got the conjoined show and that mm -hmm. was, which, it, which obviously took off. Yeah. And yeah. that it's like you, you keep doing it and eventually something takes, you know, yeah. or else you give up. Yeah. You know, I think that's what happens to a lot of people is they, they just get tired of it, you know, of those failures. But yeah. I think that's like such a part of it, you know, is the failing part. Oh and, yeah. Um, and so you just have to kind of like develop this. You're just like, all right, what's the next thing? You <laughs> yeah. Know? And it's good for you too. In a weird yeah. way. It's like, it's good for you to fail because, you know, if you were to go, okay, I'm going to be an artist and then you just made it 
and you were super successful <laughs> and you didn't have to do the grind and you didn't fail, you'd probably be like, end up being kind of an asshole or like yeah. at least you wouldn't appreciate, I don't know, maybe that's not, maybe not true for everybody, but I could imagine getting something that comes too too easily might make you not fully appreciate it like you should. Yeah. And um, one thing for sure is that, you know, I just appreciate it so much because it was, it really took so long. It took, mm. you know, it really, it, it's been certainly 15 years of grinding uncomfortably. Yeah. Maybe longer, maybe probably about 15 years of just like insecurity every month, every yeah. single month. You know, one of, one of my strategies at one point was uh, there was a certain point where I was like, you know, every month I sit and I can't sleep because I'm worried that I, that I have to pay my mortgage and there's no, and I have like 26 cents in the bank. Yeah. I mean, it was like this every fucking month, every month. And so I would, I was totally stressing about it all the time. So I was just worrying and worrying. I had that knot in my stomach and, you know, eventually I was like, you know, somehow I've been able to pay, you know, over all these years, I've been able to come up with the money every month and and deal with it somehow. It always yeah. comes through somehow. So I started kind of thinking, well, if it's going to come at the end of the month, because I'm putting the energy out there, the effort, and maybe cosmically the energy or whatever you, however you want to say, the bills are always getting paid. So maybe I should just stop worrying and the bills will still be paid. And I'll, you know, at the last minute, usually the day before is when mm -hmm. the money would come in. It's ridiculous. Like always just like the day before. So stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it was, and then seriously, like the last few years before it started becoming more like sustainable, I just wasn't worried about it and yeah. I didn't have any money. And then I would somehow manage to come up with the money every month. Yeah. And so I was like, this is, you know, this is much better. I started trying to train myself, like, instead of, oh, you have this huge dentist bill or a huge tax bill or whatever, you get some huge unexpected expense. I, I was, I would go where I'd normally be like, ah, oh, I'd have that terrible feeling and start worrying, worrying and worrying. I started going, oh, I wonder where this money's going to come from. How exciting. <laughs> this must mean that I have some money coming to pay this thing. Oh, wow. So I like, tried to turn it yeah. around and, and I was, and I, I still am kind of like that. Like mm -hmm. I've got expenses coming up this year that I have no idea how I'm going to pay. And so I'm like, you know, I, I, I just try to, I tr it's just like a way of reorient, reorienting your, your perspective and going, okay, the money. I'm not just going to make it this far and then suddenly fail. Yeah. It's just not the way things work. It's like, I've been able to do this. So that means the money is going to show up a lot of the money that I need for this and this and this. I wonder where it's going to come from. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, that's like such a, it's like such a healthy way to, to view it, you know? And, and I definitely like, I, I go through that every month as well, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't, I'll, I'll try to channel my inner, uh, Chet Czar and, um, and try to get into that mindset because it's tough. It's definitely. Yeah. Tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like totally counter. It feels counterintuitive. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the thing is, I really believe, I really do believe that, um, uh, into the woo woo now again, but 
you know, I firmly believe, and this is the magical perspective, and it's kind of also the new agey perspective, the visualizations perspective. All of really, that is welcome here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. no. Oh, yeah, right. totally. Good, good. Um, you know, the, the, what you focus your attention on is what manifests in your life. And that doesn't mean that every single thing that's in your life is because you are thinking about it because things also happen because everyone else is manifesting their life. So things like mm. crash into you, but for the I, most part, you are manifesting what is in your head subconsciously all the time. It's just the way, you know, you could say it's like a, you know, you're subconsciously doing things that's making that happen. If you're more of like scientifically minded or, you know, if you're more like me, you're, it's, it's some kind of energetic thing. So it's like, you know, you think about the thing and it manifests eventually in your life. So when you're thinking about not being able to pay the bills every month, it's makes it worse. It makes yeah. less money come to you. It's like, it's pushing the money away. Yeah. Really on an on an energetic level because you're just focusing on it. You when you worry about it, you're thinking about it, and you're just thinking, "Oh, this sucks." Yeah, I you know I deserve I deserve better than this, and people don't like whatever all negative stuff, and you're just constantly in this negative loop. And I really do believe that it perpetuates the poverty in your life. Yeah, and when you can like change that, go against your impulse to to focus on the negative and start like imagining what you want and the way you want it, that, that, you know, it's, it's a huge shift to make, but when you can do that, then it really does start showing up in your life. You know, it's, I've done it enough times, like specifically created specific, very specific things enough to where it's like, I, it's no question in my mind. Like maybe 20 years ago, I was like, yeah, it kind of works maybe, you know, but there's no way it doesn't work. Yeah. This, this has been my experience. And so, you know, that's part of why I'm not as stressed as well is because I know if I really focused it, I could pretty much manifest whatever I needed within reason into my life, you know? Um, yeah. So, and then, and then the more, the more you do that and you're focusing on like what you want and it's, and it begins to show and you're putting the effort out there, then it feeds upon itself and that creates a positive circular loop to where mm -hmm. you're, you're thinking, really focusing on what you want and how you want your life to be rather than worrying about what you don't have all the time. Yeah. No, that's great advice. I, um, I, I think about that and I do try to put my energy into something positive, but it is tough. You know, it's not, it's especially, you know, especially right now mm -hmm, with everything yeah. that's going on and, you know, going back to the documentary, you had, you had talked about, people waking up around the world and having, having like this awakening. And, um, you think that, uh, if enough people have it, that it'll reach like a critical mass and spread to everyone. Um, when you did that documentary, this was pre-Trump, <laughs> pre-pandemic. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, cut that part out. How do you, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel now? You know, that's a good question, actually. Um, I, you know, I, it's, it's really weird because I'm, I'm still an optimist. I'm just naturally that way. And I, I think, you know, that's the, the idea behind that was that hundredth monkey theory, I think is what they call it, where, hmm. you know, there's, there was some Island. I don't know. I'm going to fuck this 
story yet, but there's some <laughs> like experiment where there was this island and all these monkeys started on one half of the island started washing something in a certain way, or they started all doing this unusual behavior. And then on the other side of the island, around the same time, the other monkeys started doing it. So it's almost like this oh. quantum thing, you know, and quantum mechanics is a real thing, yeah. you know, like, then this goes back to the whole visualizing and, and, or focusing your ener mental energy on things and having them manifest. I mean, if that's mm -hmm. not that, particle shooting down the thing and when you look at it it goes one way and you don't look it, it goes the other then yeah. that, you know i don't know what is but um i still believe that and i think more people i think that's why probably why everything is so fucked up because um more people are kind of waking up and in, in, in a big way, you know, I think mm. black lives matter was huge in that way. Yeah, I think it was huge. Sure. I mean, that was big. People don't realize mm. that was huge that all those people were out in the streets over this issue. That's been a, a problem for a long time. Um, <clears throat> but <clears throat> you know, there's going to be pushback too, and there's going to be turmoil and, you know, in, in the, in the magical tradition, when a, when a magician, declares themselves a magician and commits to this path, what often happens is their life, the first thing that happens is their life completely falls apart and gets mm. every, they lose everything. And that happens because their lives prior to that were so out of sync spiritually that everything needed to be destroyed in order to be rebuilt again properly <sighs> with a solid spiritual foundation. So Man, yeah. So I feel that so hard. <laughs> oh man, for sure. There's so many stories I've heard of like these magician people I know, these ceremonial magicians that just talk about they how they had nothing. They lost everything mm -hmm. after, you know, they were doing had this one idea of what they thought it was going to be like and it just destroyed their lives, but in the long run they ended up with getting what they being, you know, spiritually connected and and yeah strong and connected to the power and being at magicians and stuff. Um, so, you know, it sounds kind of Christian in a way, but it seems like it does seem like the apocalypse, but that doesn't, doesn't scare me. It doesn't freak me out. I don't know if it's because I feel uh, I, I'm just not worried about it. I'm just not worried about it. It's I, I've, I, I, it, I, I, you know, even Lisa, my wife in the documentary says, I have this very strong faith in God at one point. And I really, I have this, I'm like, I have this belief that, that everything is like, uh, it's like pantheism, pantheism, I guess. Everything God is, is a real phenomenon. It is everything. It's like Martin Ball. I've had on my podcast, who's a big psychedelics guy who's really uh, had, you know, has a really great take on psychedelics and stuff. He, he calls it a fractal. God is a fractal energy being and the fractal energy being is reality. You know, we are this living being, this is, you know, we just have this idea that we're separate and that every, you know, everything's separate, but I think we're living in this big dream of God and we're all part of that thing. So, what are you going to be afraid of? You know, I'm not, it's yeah. like, if, if there's, 
this is this is goes into just how I feel about things, you know, as far as death being like, I don't think that death is like what people think it is or what mm-hmm. atheists think it is. I think it's like you can't die. Nothing can die. Everything is one thing. And it's just goes on and on forever and changes forms. So it's like, what could possibly happen to you then? Nothing. There's yeah. nothing that could happen. No matter if you got sick and died or anything, you're still, everything's okay still because yeah. you're God anyway, in disguise as Shane Isaacowski, mm-hmm. just, you know, and you're playing the game that you're Shane Isaacowski, you know, you're playing yeah. the Shane, the Shane game. I'm playing <laughs> the, the Shane game, game. Yeah. because, you know, <laughs> otherwise life, God is bored. Yeah. <laughs> so it needs to play games with itself for fun. So, I mean, I, I have that, that belief that it kind of doesn't matter what happens in a way the all the suffering is and pain is temporary regardless of what happens. But I still like, I believe, um, I don't know. I, I, I still am, feel positive about that. I don't know about um, maybe the utopian sounding vision, the way I, I stated it maybe sounded a little utopian, but um, you know, if you think about, if you think about these power structures changing and um, you know, you, you, you knew that they weren't going to go, they weren't going to let go. No, they weren't totally. going to let go easily. Yeah. And, and now still, you know, I, it, even though leadership is changing over and everything, it's still going to be like, we know how fucked up this country still is, you know, and, yeah. um, and it's not just going to go away with the change of leadership. So uh, there's repercussions for the last four years of things of terrible shit happening. So, mm-hmm. um, and further than that, you know, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, so it's just, I feel like it kind of just shined a light, on a lot of those issues that have been here, you know, for a really long time, Yeah, which is actually like, it's a good thing that Mm -hmm. it did, you know, it kind of like fast tracked us to this other change that needs to happen. And um, so that's kind of like the hopeful part of it for me is that I'm just Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, maybe we'll reach that sooner rather than later, you know, and a lot of those changes happen, you know, nor in, when things are normal, quote, normal, whatever the fuck that means. But when things are normal, change takes a really long time to happen, you know, but I feel like maybe this, um, you know, there, there's like, there's people that stood out as like these really important people in history. And I'm not talking about like Trump, even though obviously he's going to make the history books, um, but on the wrong side, you know, and, (laughs) (laughs) but there's these people who kind of like stood out, you know, look at um, Greta uh, Thurnberg or whatever her name was, Mm -hmm. you know, people like that, like that are uh, talking about the climate and things, you know, it's like these, these people came out suddenly and that might not have happened had things been normal, you know, the way that they happened, you know, so. I think those are all good things. And when like your radar kind of pings on these people where you're just like, Oh, this is, this is important. Like something about this person is important. And they're, they're like, she's just beginning, you know? And it's just Mm -hmm. like, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with some of those people throughout history. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, they're, 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 you know, you got to think she's probably doing, you know, what she's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, 
And Donald Trump was probably supposed to be what he's, you know, it's like, he's (laughs) obviously, he's, he was like, uh, you know, he was fully committed to being Donald Trump. Yeah. Like whether it's like his, I would say he's probably not lining up with his ultimate spiritual being, but Mm -hmm. For the character he's playing in this life, he was the perfect Donald. Yeah, he's following he doesn't get his more own Donald. Bliss. He's following his dark <laughs> bliss. It's like he's fully committed, and it's like he needed to happen too. All of this stuff, yeah. you know. I just don't. I'm. I'm. I, I'm. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe that things happen for a reason. I mean, it's so. It's amazing that that cap that the Capitol riot thing didn't that we didn't have a fucking coup and they didn't, you know, it's like, we missed it by that much. We almost got the the government almost got fucking taken over by crazy people. And, um, and, and it's like scary when you think about it, but on the other hand, it's like, to me, that says that that's just gives me hope that it didn't go. You know, it's, I just, I don't know. I just, I see it all as like this big, crazy, show and at at this point all you can do is try and try and get your own life together and the people around you that you care about you try and uh you make sure you're all connected your your peers your friends your family and you just you just go through it you know yeah. it's like obviously a, it's 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 going to be turmoil for a long time, maybe even the rest of our lives. I mean, I'm looking at like, you know, things might be way worse when I'm on my deathbed, even, you know, that's kind of freaky to think about, but at the same time, everything is changing so fast. That's what, that's kind of one thing I have. I think we have in our favor too, is that everyone makes these predictions for Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. And we look at history and this happens and this happens everything is happening so much faster than it's ever happened because of technology. So I don't think yeah. there's any way of predicting anything. Yeah. So it's unprecedented. It, yeah. Know, how much, it, how quickly the information gets out there. Something um, could change massively yeah. in a week. Yeah. Just because of technology. I mean, would you look at it happened today, uh, today with that whole, or yesterday with that gamer GameStop thing. You hear about yeah. the GameStop thing? I've been that hearing is- stuff. I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. They just, they, a bunch of people on Reddit, it's like this investing people that are into investing and watching wall street or something. They figured out that if they bought a bunch of this failing stock, which is game, uh, what did I say? GameStop, 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 which is this failing company. Cause they, you know, used to rent video games, I think, and like a physical brick and mortar stores. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they realized that these hedge funds were betting on them going, you can, you can do what they call a short, um, uh, short, a stock, which is mm-hmm. betting that it's going to keep going down and mm-hmm. you somehow make money off that. Wow. Sounds kind of creepy and evil, it, but people do it. So yeah, they, it's like they, fixing a, a fight. Yeah. Well, they, like, they, <laughs> they're, it's like, you're predicting like, this is going down. We think it's going to go down further and there's a way I don't understand it fully, but there's a way yeah. of making money off that. Mm-hmm. And so these people on Reddit we're like, you know what? If we, enough of us buy GameStop stock, it will push the price up. And mm. and in order for these guys 
not for some reason these short people these hedge funds that were shorting the stock would have to buy the stock back for some reason and i'm not sure why that is but that's part of the equation they would have to start buying it and then that would raise it up even further oh and they did it and it worked and it went <laughs> way up and it's like a bunch of you know at least i know at least one of these hedge funds declared bankruptcy and this happened oh, like wow in a day or in two days or something like that so and it's like who could have predicted that? Nobody yeah. predicted that shit like that. I mean, that goes both ways too. There's like yeah. horrible things that could happen in a day as well. So, you know, everything is just so unpredictable. Everything's happening so fast that you just kind of got to go, wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, <and> just marvel, <laughs> marvel at it instead of worrying about uh -huh. how it's going to hurt you or how it's going to affect you and just be like, wow, this is a wild ride, man. Let's surf yeah. this thing and see where it goes because there's no other choice. Yeah. What else are you going to do other than try and ride this wave and see where it takes you? Yeah. You know? Oh man, that well, that's crazy. Well, thanks for explaining that because I I didn't really fully I think understand. I got that right? That's, yeah. That's about as well as I understand it, which isn't that well. Yeah. You know, let's. Uh, I I would like to shift topics over. I want to actually take this opportunity to uh, formally announce the Dark Art Society Sketchbook Project. Oh yeah. Good and idea. yeah, I think it's uh, now is the time to talk about it. And I've been tracking. The books. All right. So I'll give everyone kind of like a lowdown on exactly what's happening because it's fucking exciting. This is a cool project. This is all, this is all you, man. It's uh, like, well, it's, you know, the thing is, is put this, together. this is actually, so this is a product of through the dark art society, through joining the Patreon and everything. And this community that you fostered, everybody meeting and coming up with ideas and throwing out ideas. And uh, I believe the original person who threw out the idea was Josh Clark. Oh uh, yeah. And Josh, um, so Josh's I was man. in this like little group with him and we're all chatting about it. And I'm just like, the way I personally like to do things is I like to come up with a plan, figure out what is the best thing that we can do? How can we blow it out of the water, make it huge, you know? So I just start throwing out these ideas and that's usually when everyone starts saying like, well, I don't have time for this or like, you know, <laughs> they, they kind of start like falling off. So that's sort of what happened. So this is why like now I'm like essentially running this project. And, um, uh, but we're at this point now that the sketchbooks have launched. There are three separate sketchbooks, book one, book two, and book three we have mapped out where each one is going to go about 70, I think like 77 artists have signed up. Um, so you divide those over the three. They're not exactly even um, because one of the books is going book three is going to, it's on its way to Mexico right now. I've been tracking these things to just see where they're at. I don't know when they're going to show up, but <laughs> it's on its way to Dos Diablos and to um, Karina right now. Yay. And and that one is going to end up all around the world. I mean, it's going to Ash Stark in Australia. Uh, it'll be in Sweden. It's going to be in the UK. So cool. It's uh, it's That one is going to be very well-traveled and it's going to take a long time. Um, and that one actually has the least amount of artists, but it's probably going to take the longest out of all three books. Right. Um, but then, you know, book one uh, is, is going all over the place as well. But book one and two are basically in the United States for the most part. Um, but book one is on its way 
to Canada and it's still making its way there as well. But book two has gone to Ken, uh, Ken Carano. Mm -hmm. um, and he just shipped that out to Kenny rain. So that one is well on its way. <laughs> so, yeah. So each artist has it for two weeks and then they're passing it off to the next artist. And, and obviously they sketch a, they put a, a sketch yeah. on each page, each yeah, a sketch, a, a drawing. Uh, some people are painting. Um, oh. So it's going to be, we'll see what happens when these things come back because it's, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. And you are actually doing a piece of artwork in the front of each one as well. So they are going to come back to you at the end there. So that's cool. going to be pretty cool, you know, yeah. cause you'll be able, I mean, you'll have physically, you'll be able to physically see them all at the end, which is pretty neat. I wonder if they're going to smell. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> and they'll probably, yeah. I mean, they'll greasy, smell like art supplies. <laughs> greasy fingerprints. All over. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's really yeah. I'm cool building idea. this, uh, this website for it and everything. And that's going to have a profile on each artist. Oh, uh, cool. John Hyde is, um, he's creating these like live maps. So then people can, will be able to go to the website, see where it is on the map. Are you serious? Yeah. And then there's going to be a pin on where it's been and where it's going. Wow. How yeah. cool. So it's, I mean, it's of course, again, it's like, uh, I can never, I can never work on anything. That's just like at a normal level. I want everything to be fucking awesome. So yeah. Um, so this was just an idea that we came up with and John started toying around with it and, you know, he's great at technical things and stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm just super stoked on the project and it's going to take, uh, at least a year to complete, you know, mm -hmm. for these three books to go around the world. So, yeah. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about that real quick and, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's going to be really neat. And and also then at the end, we are going to auction the books off. Right. And potentially if we can, if we can figure out how to compile them all into one book and then potentially sell that. Um, but I've already now, now that it's launched, there's other people who couldn't be a part of it that want to be a part of the next one. So hopefully this is not that big of a pain in the ass and it ends up being really fun and something that's worth doing over and over again. Mm -hmm. But but the overall idea about uh, that this will tie into is the idea of uh, growing the dark art movement, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and I, I'm just curious about your thoughts on growth for the dark art society and the, all these dark artists that are literally around the world, you know, and this the, this project will be proof of that, you know, physical. Yeah. Proof. Yeah. Um, which is really awesome. And, and like, I always have viewed this as like, whenever there's projects like this, where there's this collective uh, goal for everyone, I've just always viewed it as like a way to like, everyone's donating their time. Everyone's putting all this energy into this one thing. So you take all that energy and potentially grow it to something even larger that's going to help all of us yeah. so so the idea was kind of like to raise money so we can start doing more things as the dark art society at like conventions and things like that so do you have any other ideas or anything to add to that um you know i was one thing i was thinking too is the proceeds from the um 
uh, auctions could be to get them printed as books <laughs> too, because it would would be cool for everyone who did it to be able to at least have the opportunity to purchase a book. Yeah, you know, because mm-hmm. it seems like you know, I know it's a, it's another expense and problem to deal with, but it would be really cool to have them in a book, like a, a all of them mm-hmm. in a, in a book that people could have. But um, I you know I've been thinking about growth and mainly because i i keep i keep having these interviews and i keep thinking again like like i was talking with the, the documentary and the and the book as well like i have these interviews and i and i just keep thinking you know not these interviews are so good yeah like i'm really i i, I get done with it and i'm like damn that was such a like if it for something that i would want to hear it's like this is exactly something that if i wasn't doing it I, you know, if I wasn't interviewing people, I would be listening to, this would be my podcast. The one that I, that I love the most, because I just think that I just think it's so good. And I still feel like our, the, the listenership is kind of small for how good it is. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't appreciate all the listeners because we have a pretty solid devoted uh, listenership, but to me, it's like, they're so good that, and I know there's way more people that would love it that need, need to hear it just because, you know, it's a good, inspiring, interesting thing that I know people, people would love if they just knew about it. And a lot of people still just don't even know about it. So I feel like I've been, you know, kind of dropped the ball in that way, but, you know, just because I haven't had time to do anything more than produce Mm -hmm. the thing every week. So what the, um, I think somebody, I maybe mentioned that in a podcast and I got a couple messages from people suggesting I maybe start going on other podcasts to promote it. Um, which, you know, I'm going on your podcast. Hey, look at that. (laughs) I got, uh, I've got, let me see. I've got a podcast scheduled for the fourth on the wrong real podcast and Mm -hmm. one on the ghostly talk podcast. Oh, cool. Second, and uh, I've got another thing that I'm doing Sunday for um, Andrew Hawkins, mm, okay. like, a, like a live, like an interview, kind of a, a live. Oh, uh, is it for his his documentary? Yeah, in Search uh, yeah. of Darkness um, 2, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's producing this series of documentaries. He's doing really well with that. And so he's going to have me on there and another, that's another place for me to promote it. So I'm sort of trying to do like a, almost like a press junket and yeah. trying to incorporate that into my schedule where I could, cause it's like, I have enough of a name to where I can get on some shows mm-hmm. and then <clears throat> I can get on and then I could talk about the podcast as part of yeah basically the thing I'm promoting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm going to, so I, so I'm trying to get, uh, I, I just made the decision like, Oh, I got to do that. I think it was last month and then a month already. And I'm on like three different podcasts. Yeah. You know? So it's like, okay, that's telling me it's probably something I should do. Cause those things kind of landed in my lap. Yeah. So, um, I think so that's, yeah. I'm on- trying to get on like Duncan Trussell's podcast. That's oh, really God, like, that'd be something amazing. Big like that. Cause totally. that would be, that would yeah. be, huge for the dark art society. You know? Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's definitely a good direction. Um, and the, you know, another thing that came up recently, which was a result of a live stream and people just messing around. And I'd said, I'd made a joke about Firefest 
Dark Art Fire yeah. Fest 2022. <laughs> and then somebody else wrote that on, uh, it was Jeremy De La Rosa. He wrote that on the, um, the Facebook group. And then a bunch of people jumped on. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about the the dark art society retreat that happened and this was back in 2018 2018 which was is it 2018 i think yeah it was 2018 Damn, it was september like 2018 um which is like a pretty long time ago now you know and like i th- i feel like there's opportunity for dark artists to meet up and everyone's like foaming at the mouth right now to even just have any kind of social interaction but I, you know, what I see for the Dark Art Society, if you don't mind me saying here, um, I just like, I like the idea of conventions. I think that's mm-hmm. because there's so many people, you know, especially like Monster Palooza or something like that, that's yeah, so for sure. dedicated to this kind of artwork. You know, I think that's the right audience to be marketing to, obviously. Definitely. But, um, but then aside from that, just like the camaraderie of this larger community that's happening and giving people the option to meet up and actually see these people face to face, you know, so many of us in the dark art society have not met in person. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a meet in person kind of person. So like, I love like meeting up with the, uh, so a ton of these people, I've had these in-person interactions with because I'm like, I, I want that. And I want to make sure that that happens. So uh, say for instance, like John Hyde is somebody who I reached out to the group one time. I was like, is anybody in New York uh, that I can stay with? I'm coming out. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't met John. We had a few talks before then, but that was it. And then he offered up his place for me to stay. So like, and that's how I like, now I'm really good friends with him and his mm-hmm. wife, you know? So, um, and that's all through the dark art society. And I just feel like we need, I feel like we need more like in-person stuff, obviously when the world reopens and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that'll really help it because there's something just about being in person that you can't, you know, you can't get on the zoom calls. You can't get online through the Facebook group and stuff. There's just something about, you know, feeding off each other's energy, coming Mm -hmm. up with ideas and then like having accountability for that, uh, and, and just growing it in that way, you know? So I don't exactly know what that looks like, but I, I do feel like if we can figure out, you know, some of these ways to actually have face-to-face interaction, obviously like the Zoom Friday night jams have definitely helped too. Mm-hmm. And and I've watched, I've like seen a lot of like the growth of, of the group or just like building it stronger just by simply having these Zoom calls and, and talking to people face yeah, to face there. So, I mean, it's a community. That's what it is. It's yeah. a community of people, you know, which is exactly what is needed, especially nowadays. Yeah. You know, as society falls apart, I mean, we need, we need to come together as everything falls apart, you know? Yeah. Man, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think it would be cool. I mean, it's, yeah, it seems like conventions would be a no brainer. Monster Palooza would be a no brainer. Uh, you know, I could see, I see a future where there's like a convention for the dark art society. Mm. I could see, totally see that, you know? Um, yeah its own convention with all mm-hmm. the artists with, in booths and, you know, but this is down the line. But um, I mean, I, I see the potential there. How um, do you, let me ask you something. Um, we were talking on one of the zoom jams recently and somebody was saying how we were talking about museums 
And um, I forget who I was talking to, but they were saying like, well, we need some like, we need some dark art museums out there or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my point that I was thinking about at, in that moment was about how instead of like, instead of dark art museums, I feel like what we actually need is a little bit more, I'm going to say awareness. I don't know if that's the right word, but we need, we need dark art in the normal museums almost. So it's like, it's accessible to anybody and it's normal that right. dark art is a part of our culture. I agree. You know, I so totally instead agree. of separating it and turning it into like, oh, that's the weird museum, the dark art museum right. where dark weirdos are not going to go, you know, and mm. instead of separating it and just uh, hiding us in the corner, put us with the other people, with all the all the incredible artists throughout history and hang us next to them. Yeah. Well, this has been done so far with um, Guillermo del Toro's exhibit. Yeah. You know, his, that was basically a huge dark art exhibit that went around all the major museums and um, all over the world in all over the country and in Canada and Mexico. And um, you know, that was (laughs) his, it's funny because I, I, I was like, <laughs> naively, I, I emailed Guerrero and I was like, man, do you realize what you're doing for for all these dark artists? You're like exposing these dark artists to people that would never normally see their stuff. It's really great. Kind of like, you don't know what you're, you don't realize you're doing. He's like, why do you think I'm doing it? <laughs> he wrote back, like, why do you think I'm doing it? <laughs> like, uh. um, but but also um, Carrie Ann Bada did it with the cute and creep creepy exhibit. Yeah. um, uh, I forget the name of the museum, but it was like, it's like a legitimate museum that she Mm. set it up a museum show. And it was really popular. And Guillermo's was hugely popular. I mean, it was like at capacity all the time, the whole time it was up from, I I did not get a chance to see it, but yeah, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And we were hanging up next to like, you know, William Blake and stuff and like real, these real, uh, old school, old masters artists. You know, the funny thing is, I think the uh, I asked Greg Escalante, who used to, mm. he was the owner of Copro Gallery, who's who uh, died a few years back, unfortunately. But he was like, he was he was the bridge between the lowbrow scene and the high, the museum, legitimate mm. what if you want to call it that art scene. And um, he's very connected, and he was always about getting people together, introducing people to each other. He he introduced me to, and I'm going to forget his name. This like amazing artist that lives around the corner from me. Mm. You know, this, it is really weird, cool stuff too. Damn. Uh, Brian Maines, mm. Brian Maines. Um, yeah. It was like, I could walk to his house. It's so weird. <laughs> no, I still, we don't get together, but it's, you know how that goes, but, but we did get meet and we had Zello and stuff. Um, anyway, I was tell I was saying, you know, I was thinking of the conjoined show. I was like, this conjoined show is so popular. Like that show is insane. Every year yeah. it's been like huge crowds, the like their biggest show every year. And um and and with the success of the Guillermo del Toro exhibit, Greg's girlfriend was one of the curators, I think, that helped set up the Guillermo show. She worked mm. at was it LACMA or 
I get the the museums confused, whatever yeah. museum it showed at. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we should have conjoined in a museum like that. People want to see it. Yeah. People want, there's people coming, the museum can make money. The mu- museum's making money from the, from the, um, Guillermo exhibit. People want this, you know, there's a, yeah. there's an audience for it. And he's like, you know what? It just doesn't work that way though. In the museum scene, it's like, they don't give a shit if people like it or not. They're doing it because they think, you know, the people in charge of these museums, the the board or, or whatever, they pick what they think for whatever reason is important, the important art to show. And it yeah. doesn't matter if people like it or not, or if it's popular or not, because they're getting grants. They're not making their money at the door really. Oh, so, so so like we kind of got to know someone. We need to is, find the curators. Well, yeah, like, like Car- Carrie Ann is, is yeah. uh, one that she's a professor mm-hmm. at a university and she's into this, she's in the scene and she's like a, a great person to have connected to that. And she's, you know, I believe, I think she's like tenured now. So she's like really in there as a, yeah. as a someone that's. I, I loved her episode of your, your podcast. Yeah. She's, awesome. she's very like forward thinking in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that so much, uh, you know, so uh, conjoined from last year uh, that I was in, I was actually, I was late to that show because I was still living in San Francisco and I had gotten picked to be the judge for a dark art show at a place that does not typically have dark art shows. Oh, right. So, I remember that. And yeah. And, um, and to me, when things like that happen, I'm like, I have to follow that through and, and see it through because to me, it feels important. You know, it yeah. feels like yeah. the more dark art exhibits that happen in places that people don't expect them to happen, I think is an important thing for the dark art community. And um, regardless of how it ended up, I mean, they told me afterwards that it was, people who are members there and stuff said it was the best exhibit that they had ever seen there. Wow. They oh, had cool. the most amount of people come there. Um, I'm telling you, man, there's, yeah. there's this, it's so funny. Cause we're all sitting here going, yeah, there's so many people. Like, come on everyone. <laughs> yeah. The artwork is so, is more, I say, I've said it before and it just, it's, it's more true now than when I've said it before. It's yeah. the most timely art there is. It is the most appropriate artwork visual art for the time we, we live in, you know, it's totally relevant. It, to me, it makes any other, I don't, I don't want to get into that. Cause I, you know, I love all different styles of artwork and I think there's a place for all of it, Yeah, but it deserves to be on the same level as any other form of art that is in within popular culture, mm-hmm. especially now. Yeah. And it's like, we can see it and the people that could actually make a big change can't see it because they're like old school entrenched yeah. in the old ways and they just don't see it. And this is a real kind of a real grassroots art movement. And so, you know, that's how it always goes though, with any cool underground culture, it comes up from the grassroots. And then once it starts making money, then they, then the people at top go, Oh, this is something we can make some money off of. Yeah. Maybe we should jump on board. So <sighs> it's so <you> know, annoying. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I, but- I, I yeah, we need, I feel like we, we do need some of those people that are higher up people that have maybe a little bit more power or pull in some of these larger institutions Yeah, um, to yeah. recognize it in a different way. So yeah. if you guys are listening, 
uh, hit us up. We're doing shit. <laughs> Come <right>. on. <laughs> I was also going to say, um, like getting, if, if I was able to get on the Duncan Trussell podcast, I was thinking the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. That's, like, that's, but I'm not going to, he wouldn't probably, Yo, probably not I big think, enough, but also, yeah, I think not, you should hit up anyone and everyone. Yeah. I don't think should. it should matter. Like you're, you know, you're somebody who does have a history. And if anybody looked into your history, I mean, you're just an interesting dude in general, you know? So like, I, I, I've got enough, I've yeah. got an, I've done enough to where I, I could see someone like either of those guys and Joe Rogan, I, I, from what I know was kind of like, likes to draw. And, and he posted a picture someone showed me of a monster he drew because mm. he still kind of plays around drawing and he's got the tool connection with Maynard on the show. Yeah. And I was thinking that's a possibility. It's a mm -hmm. possibility I could get on there. And I'm looking like, you, you know, it's like, I've got my, my career is, is I feel pretty solid with my own career. You know, it's like, I could just keep going and, and, and I, you know, I've cultivated this, I've worked hard at it. And so, you know, I, of course I can always do better, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm trying to do this for the dark art society. Yeah. You know, more than myself, just because I don't know, I, I feel driven to do it. It seems like the right thing to do. It seems like it's, it's like, I want to see this succeed because I believe in the movement itself. I think it's mm -hmm. so important. So it's like, I, I have a, like a foot in the door in a way because of my association with tool mm. and my <clears throat> work in the film industry and my association with Guillermo and the movies I've worked on, you know, there's enough there to where someone might go, Oh, I could yeah, he'd be a cool guest. And so, so anyway, Duncan Trussell's in LA though. So I, you mm. know, and, and he, I think he does his over maybe, I don't know if he does his over the internet or not, but, yeah. but it's like, I'm not going to go, I mean, totally. I don't want to go to Austin or whatever to go to do Joe mm -hmm. Rogan's podcast. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, so I was thinking Duncan Trussell seems, and it's like, there's the Jason Louvre connection and he knows mm -hmm. Jason and there's the magic connection and the Zen stuff and the meditation stuff. It's like, I, yeah. I might be able to get in there. Cause I just think the idea of, look, I, you know, I'm doing this thing where, 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 where the, the angle is really interesting. It is dark, creepy artwork that really, seems dark and evil on the surface, but actually it's positive. Yeah. It's, it's what it's really about is positivity. And I thought, and I was like, that would be, that's just an interesting idea. I think for yeah. someone like maybe Duncan Trussell, you know, it's spiritual, it's spiritual. Mm. It seems like it's evil and dark and not spiritual, but it's totally spiritual actually. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like a cool dichotomy, like a cool selling point. So what really what people can do is email the Duncan Trussell podcast and ask them to put me on so that when I go and I, go, Hey, would you yeah. put me on the podcast? I feel like they may have heard, heard the name. I feel something. like you need like a PR person. I totally need a PR to person. Email all That's these the places and as your representative, you know, and um, I do. That's yeah. what, that's part of the problem is like, you know, I'm trying to do this and all this other stuff, mm, you totally. know, and keep, keep paying the bills and stuff. So I need someone. So if anybody wants to do that, they can hit me up. Wants to volunteer. Um, yeah. So, man. Okay. Uh, God, I could talk about growth and shit in the dark arts society. And stuff I just uh, the, the point I wanted to make is that I'm willing to give. I'm willing to throw my weight up to yeah. behind the dark arts society to promote it. 
in any way that yeah. I can, you know, with what little power or whatever ca- social cachet I have, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, that's why I'm, I'm always tagging it in all of my Instagram posts. Yeah. So I got like 119,000 followers. So it's like, I always put dark art society, dark art society yeah. podcast, just to anything I can do to get people to that. Yeah. To become aware of it. I yeah. feel like, you know, uh, what you're saying before about this being not necessarily just about you, it's about the whole movement and everything. For me, like, I think a lot about how so many of these dark artists, we grew up and it still happens to us where people try to like invalidate what we're doing because it's dark and weird. And, mm-hmm. you know, through it, every single artist is like, yeah, when I was growing up and I was doing these drawings, people thought I was weird and, (laughs) you know, gave me all the shit, but here I am now doing it, you know, throughout my entire life. And so like, I don't know, there's like this part of me that wants to help on this bigger level. So maybe some of those kids that are growing up now that are experiencing the same kind of like pushback Mm -hmm. where, you know, and, you know, I know how I felt back then where I was like, I mean, I kind of like, I didn't, I never fully cared what people said, but it did affect me. I think it's know? in the back of your mind. I think even yeah. now it's, it's in the back, it's in the back mm-hmm. of my mind a little bit. Like if like maybe someone comes over to the house that, that, <laughs> that doesn't know me or doesn't know yeah. the scene at all, you feel like you, ha- you have to kind of put them at ease and maybe explain yeah. it, you know? So I, you know, I think it's it's a it's a valid concern. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 thing that always gets me that nobody can answer because it's it just shows what bullshit the whole thing is, is why is a bowl of fruit valid <laughs> as a painting subject? Why are flowers, beautiful flowers, you know, animals, why is that valid and some freaky ass creature, not valid. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You can't say, you can't say no one's been able to give me any kind of reason. It's, and it's cause it's, there is no reason because it's, it's a social convention. You could say, Oh, more people think flowers are beautiful, but still, you know, it's a valid subject to explore. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's relegated as like, Oh, it's for comic books or, you know, it's kids yeah. stuff and, you know, tell me a Bekshinsky's kid stuff. Give me oh, a fucking God. break. I know. Right. You know, it's like, th- it doesn't get more powerful, powerful than that, man. So I'd like to, I would like to have time to shift topics yet again. Whatever you um, want. I want to talk about Patreon. Oh yeah. And my, um, my favorite subject, oh, man. Okay. So, <laughs> There's a lot of things, uh, but I should be getting pay pay checks for them. I, I, dude, for I feel the same. All the promotion I feel the I fucking same way. I do a Patreon <laughs> shout out every week on my podcast. I shout out somebody's Patreon. So for me, like, what's interesting for me is that I sit and I study everyone's fucking Patreons every week. That's the way. To so do it. I've seen all these different iterations and um, seeing which ones are successful, which ones aren't, um, what's working and what's not, and um, of course, I always have opinions on things, but uh, but it's not my place to tell people what's going to work or what I think is going to work. But people do ask me, you know, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And um, so recently, I've been listening to uh, Amanda Palmer's 
the Art of Asking Everything podcast. Mm -hmm. She just started a podcast not too long ago. That's so um, funny because I was just going to say, I wonder if there's a anyone does a Patreon podcast because that would be a really great podcast. It's all just about Patreon. Patreon should do a Patreon podcast. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about hitting them up and being like, hey, look, I do a shout out for one of your Patreons every single week. Totally, man. Send me a kickback or something, you know, Um, or at least like give me a shout out somewhere, you know. Um, But, you know, so Amanda Palmer's podcast, she she has an amazing book called The Art of Asking, which like blew my mind when I read it and everything. And Mm -hmm. so her podcast is really great. And she was having a conversation uh, with somebody, I can't remember who now, but in the episode, they talk about Patreon and she has one of the most successful Patreons out there. And she has something like 15,000 patrons. And the way, so I want to start this by saying that hers is structured uh, at the beginning, it was by project. So every time she came out with an album, she would charge her patrons 20 bucks. Now she's switched over where it is still by project, um, but she still needs some kind of monthly expense to pay the people who work for her, people who help run her entire engine. Right. There's a lot, you know, yeah, she yeah, has a yeah. lot going on. So, staff. yeah. So, but she said the way that she does it is she, she is the one who hits the button to charge people. Like it's not an automated thing. She's just like, Hey, look, everyone, this is, this is what we're switching over to. I have to do this to pay bills. So, uh, so, so her Patreon has shifted a little bit, but so when she was talking about it on this episode, it's kind of coming from this place of she's a musician. She's doing it by project. She is doing a monthly thing, but it is a little bit different. So uh, with that said, she has a lot to say about Patreon and she's another person who obviously fully understands it, gets behind it. And she realizes that it is a way for artists to do what they need to do mm-hmm. every month, you know? So um, there's a few takeaways from what she said. And one of them is that this is good advice for anybody who's trying to start a Patreon. And, you know, the, the things that I hear all the time are like, well, I don't know if I could keep up or like if it's going to be worth it for people, you know? So, but what she says is that high volume does not equal a successful Patreon. Right. All right. Which is, I learned that early. Yeah. (laughs) I was posting like, you were posting like every day. Yeah. And I, I still try and post. I don't always do it, but I still try to do every day, even if it's just one thing, but I've, I've, I've definitely missed a few, but at the beginning I was, I was posting lots of things a day. I was like doing crazy amounts of stuff, which is great, but it gets to where there's too much stuff for people to even go through. Totally. Cause I have like stuff I forgot that I posted on there from a few years ago or whatever. And, you know, she says that like a, this fire hose of communicative, like overwhelming content it's not necessary. And it's actually really not what people want because right. people want content that is meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't right. just want, I mean, me, like I'm guilty of it all the time of just like, it's, it's six o'clock in the morning. I just got done painting. I want to send a work in progress. And I'm like, I would really love to type three paragraphs worth of like right. what this thing is about, but it's six o'clock in the morning and yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there, <laughs> you know? So, um, so I'm like guilty of making it a little a little less meaningful, but 
I'm still like, I feel like I'm putting out meaningful content, but you know, and the other thing that she has a lot of really interesting points, but in the end, it's like, she says that most of your patrons, they do not care how long it actually takes for you to create the art or the music or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, they want you to do your best and they, they want you to feel un, uninhibited and free to create what you're doing. That's why they're paying you. That's why like right. they're paying into your voice as a creator, you know? So like, so for people who are like, I don't think it's going to be worth it for people to like invest in me, you know, you won't feel like that if you actually feel like you're making meaningful shit, you know, and doing the thing that you're like, think about some of these musicians that are making really meaningful music to you. You know, you're like, I would pay that musician to make that music, you know? So like if we're relating this back to artists, we should be getting paid to do the artwork that we're meant to be doing, you know? So, um, and you know, the other point that she really makes her, she had a perspective shift on Patreon because at the beginning, she's like, I needed to get my ego in check at the beginning because what happens is you have all of these people on your Patreon, you post the thing and you're like, this is fucking cool content. And then you get three, or 10 likes. Oh, I know. There's you're used, used to, to getting <laughs> yeah. to no, hardly any likes. And you're like, does no one care what the hell's going on? You know? And um, for her, you know, it's like, you assume you have hundreds or potentially thousands of listeners, watchers or fans who are all there to soak up like every single paint stroke right. and absorb all the knowledge you're putting out there. But in reality, it's only a very small percentage of patrons who are actually engaging on your posts. So it turns out that that's not the point, you know, and the point actually what she compares it to is like NPR. It's always on. It is listener funded. And it doesn't mean that every listener who gives NPR money is listening to it 24 seven to get their money's worth. You know, they want it there when they need it. And they also want it to be there when others need it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, so this, it's this giant circle of like generosity, mm-hmm. you know? So like yeah. people, so if you view it in that way where people are just funding you to do the thing and see it if they want, it's going to feel a lot less shitty. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that, that was one thing that took me a while to get used to too. Like, you know, just a, like a handful of likes when you're used to getting, you know, a thousand on Instagram or something, yeah. you know, it's like, okay. I don't, you know, it's, it doesn't, you know, I, I, I find though that when I do have more like engaging content where I'm talking about it, people tend to respond more, but I noticed I've been getting more lately. I've been getting more comments and stuff, Yeah, uh, which is cool. But I know a lot of people too, that just have joined up on mine specifically and ask for no reward tier. Yeah. Like they just I mean, want to donate. Proof. Yeah. That they just want to donate. I do yeah. that on, I, I almost never, I have like, I'm supporting a lot of Patreons just cause yeah. I, I believe in the platform. So I want to support it. It's a lot. It's, it's, I, yeah, I, you support I, mine. I, 
Yeah. I support uh, Amanda Palmer's and it's like, I'm not even really f- that familiar with her uh, at all with her music, yeah. but it's like, I, I think I appreciate that she kind of started really was one of the first people with Kickstarter mm-hmm. s- s- pushing the whole idea of, you know, asking for help basically. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, throw a buck you should read have you read her book no i haven't read oh dude it's so good i have it so you can borrow it um and and also i have the audio book and it's her narrating oh that's cool and she has such a good voice and and you know and she's delivering it a certain Uh way so uh, she's a performer you know so um it's incredible i mean it was pretty life-changing and yeah i can't i can't recommend it enough well the the point i was making was Mm -hmm. that most of the page patreons I subscribe to, I don't really look at them and it's yeah. not cause I don't want to look at them. It's because, I mean, I do, I'll look if it comes up, but I'm just so busy for yeah. me. It's like, I want to support people and I'm not there to like, you know, here's my money. I want to see what's going on. Yeah. It's more like, I just want to, I want to support people doing this cause I believe mm-hmm. in it and I believe in what they're doing. So, you know, there's Lon, you know, Lon Duquette. Do you know Lon Milo Duquette? He's like, I don't think so. Mm. He's like an older gentleman, 70, you know, maybe in his seventies, I think early seventies. He's this, he's, I, I found out about him because Jason Louf says he's the world's greatest living magician. Oh. And he's like, you know, lives in Costa Mesa, I believe. Anyway, he, um, he's like a, this, ceremonial magician also a a musician as well and um just a cool guy really funny and i just his style is awesome and upbeat and very lighthearted. he's not like this i'm a wizard he's super cool (laughs) it's great and um he started doing he used to they used to do i i was trying to get christopher ulrich to go down with me to go do the he would open his house up every i think every once a month for like magic classes oh, in Costa Mesa, I think. And when the COVID hit, when the quarantine hit, he stopped, he had to stop doing it. Mm. So, um, I mean, this this thing's been going on, I think since the nineties or something, he's done it every week. And anyway, I want to have him on the podcast actually, but I've just like been scared to ask him just because I kind of like look up to him in that way. But, um, he, uh, he started doing every morning. He does like a reading from, he has all these books on like the occult and magic and stuff. And he's been reading, he reads like 20 or 30 minutes from one of a page, some part from his book, one on like the tarot and blah, blah, blah. Every morning, every single day since the quarantine hit um, on Facebook, just because mm-hmm. that's the platform he uses. And he has a Patreon that he promotes whenever he, you know, does his, he does sometimes he'll do magic classes. Um, on zoom or whatever mm-hmm. uh, seminars, which I take once in a while, they're really cheap. Uh, I was watching his things every morning and lately for the past month or so, I just haven't had time. Anyway, I, I donate to his Patreon and it's like, he doesn't really post anything on Patreon. He just has it for people to support. Mm. And I've been supporting it for a long time now. And just because I want to support him because I know he's doing something amazing, teaching this stuff on Facebook Um, you know, in the bowels of hell, he's teaching this good, good, (laughs) positive stuff. And, um, and so I just, you know, support him because, and I do that with a lot of artists, people that I, you know, like I said, most of them, I I just, I just am doing it to support. Yeah. So I think a lot of people do that. Some people I could tell are like, they come on because they want something. They mm -hmm. want like some 
pin that I'm going to do or something. Yeah. Maybe they're like not they're like a casual fan, and but they're a collector, and they come on, they get their thing, and they leave. But most of them are people that that are that are into supporting supporting what what I do, which yeah. is you know the coolest. Yeah, it's really it's quite an amazing platform, and um, I hope that it I hope that it stays cool. And it doesn't get weird for any reason, know, you know, know. And, and they've changed, you know, little by little, but, uh, but they, yeah. that's the cool. That's what, one of the things I like about him is Jack Conte. I think it is mm-hmm. the guy who started it. He is very, he really believes in the, in the, um, concept of, you know, not mining people's data and selling it or any of that stuff or, you know, not dealing with ads or any of that stuff. He's very much wants to keep it, you know, pure and right. You know, yeah. he seems to have the, the right idea. And um, so I, hopefully- it, what I get worried about is, <clears throat> is our, our culture a little bit in that one thing could happen and then it gets blown out of proportion. And then there's a major exodus you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah, things yeah. like that happen mm-hmm. uh, nowadays because they're like, fuck Patreon, you know? And then yeah, yeah. Oh, somebody right, gets yeah. pissed and yeah, then they're like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm not going to support Patreon. But then they'll pull back from all the Patreons that yeah. they support, which then in turn fucks over the creators. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. I'm like a little worried about something like that happening. Um, but well, but, like, yeah. Like Josh G says, this is why you need a website and a mailing list. Because mm-hmm. all of these social media platforms are potentially could go away in a, you know, in a, at a moment's notice, you also, you have to cultivate that email list and, and have a home base yeah. for your, for people to like meet back up at in case something, something goes awry. Yeah. You know, well, you know, since my interview on your podcast back in 2018, my life has 2018. Changed. 2018 you interviewed. It's been that long? It's been that long. Holy shit, three years. Yeah, and that was, uh, you interviewed me when I first became a full-time artist. So a lot has changed since then. (laughs) So much has changed since then for for my life. And um, Yeah, it has. uh, But one thing has stayed consistent, and that's being in the dark art society for me. So I just want to thank you for doing everything that you're doing. It's always been kind of like, uh, you know, obviously it's like my tribe, but it's just, it's a home base of operations and I continually meet people through it. I mean, it's I know, happening it's crazy. now. It's literally happening right now where I'm all just the time. meeting all these new people. And what I was talking, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with Ash and mm-hmm. I was saying to her, you know, sometimes we'll be like, oh yeah, that person that's on the Zoom call now, they're like totally fucking cool or whatever. And, and I'm like, it's really interesting, like to be within this community and then all of a sudden somebody like finds the dark art society podcast yeah. <laughs> and then they find us and then they're dropped in to our life all right. of a sudden, you know, yeah, and then yeah. they join us on the zoom calls and then they're just part of the gang. Yeah. 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 How fucking cool is that? Like it's that's so just, cool. it, it's the coolest and they all, shit. And, they, and I love it too. When they, when they first come in the group in the, in the Facebook group, they're always like, Oh, I can't believe I finally found my place, my, yeah. my tribe. It's my still people. happening. Yeah, yeah. It's still yeah. happening now. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I just want to thank you obviously for fostering that community. And, um, you know, I view you as like, like a, a spiritual leader within the, the dark 
art community. And, um, and yeah, I just want to thank you for doing everything that you're doing and coming on to my podcast this uh, time, which is totally appreciated. Well, I, I mean, I, I, thank you. I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, it's the same. It's the same for me too. It's like, you know, look, I, I consider you like a good friend. I, I feel like I could call you for whatever reason, okay. or, you know, it's like, you know, I feel like <laughs> I'm local you. now too. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I feel like I've known you forever. It's like, I, yeah. I consider you one of my friends and, you know, John Hyde and, um, uh, Ash and all, all these people that, that I've met through the dark art society. Also, I feel like in the, I'm in the same boat. Like it's like, yeah. I've made all these new friends and, and, um, and we're actually like friends. It's not, it's not, it doesn't feel like a Facebook friends to where you don't yeah. really know them. It's like, it feels like we're all really connected somehow. Totally. And I'm just glad it's working because like I said, I've, I've tried so many things and they don't always work. And, you know, the whole dark art society thing was such an inspired idea. It's like, I just, it was like, God, I can, you know, I can see this thing happening and nobody's doing anything. <laughs> nobody's doing it. It's like, we just need to kind of coalesce. So, and I, you know, I don't have time to, to really do anything. You guys are doing all the work. All I'm doing is doing the podcast every week and, you know, supporting it however you need me to, but you guys are like building the thing. I don't have, you know, that's, that was always kind of the, the way I approached it is that I can do this much and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot still, you know, putting it, yeah. doing the podcast every week to keep that going and then throwing any, like I said, any weight I have behind whatever, always including that. So I feel like that's sort of my job. And so I, and, and, um, and, but you guys are doing like basically all the work of, of mm -hmm. making the thing a community, which is, you know, I'm not in there like you guys, like asking people questions and, posing questions and sharing ideas and stuff. I, I just kind of pop in to like, look at things and see what's going on. And, and I'm, you know, not as involved as you guys, but. Um, well, Hey, we got your back chat. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. I got your guys back too. You know? Yeah. So well, I, thank I think you. it's, it's, I, I thank you. Thank you guys for doing, you know, for like doing the, the dark art society sketchbook. I wouldn't have done yeah. that. I wouldn't have time to, to even think about doing that. So, you know, the fact that you guys, you guys, this is, it's become exactly what I was ho hoping it would become, which is this kind of self-sustaining entity where mm -hmm. everyone's like, you know, taking part and helping to make it happen. And, and, um, cause I just, I, I knew I, I didn't have time to do much with it. So I was hoping everyone would just like take the reins basically. And, yeah. you know, I'll step in if anything goes awry and <laughs> if I need to, if something bad happens, but other than There's that, there's only been a few times that yeah, that's happened. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's usually just like, you know, one, one thing or one yeah. person does something, but it's generally, it, it's been really, um, really cool. And, and um, you know, it's fun for me to be able to interview all these artists and, and give them exposure and, and meet them and talk to them on the podcast. So it's been, a really changed my life in a, a lot. It's yeah. weird, you know, it's weird. And it was like, 
just like one of those things. Hey, this would be cool to do, you know? <laughs> Look what you did. <laughs> Look what you did, chat. Jeez. And when things happen, it's so great. It's so yeah. great. When things just like, you know, it's sometimes things are just such a struggle, you know, like being in that band for all those years, it was always a struggle. And I was never seeing anything coming back to me. And it's like, yeah. When you do something and you see a response, it's like, oh, okay, this is really what I should be doing. And it's, I almost wonder sometimes maybe, you know, maybe that was my path. My, maybe that was what I was supposed to do more than be an artist. Mm. You know, maybe it was to start the dark art society for other artists and Dude. for the community. And it's like, think about this all the time. Yeah. I never, it's like, that's, totally fine with totally cool. I just, it's just like, I never really expected it. I that's, never thought about it. Well, you know? that's something, you know, like I, I talk about it on, on my podcast all the time about like fostering communities and helping other people. But what I've been realizing recently is like, yeah, like I do art. That's what I do. Make these paintings and those help people in a different way. But mm -hmm. the other thing that I'm doing. And the thing that I really feel like I'm meant to do is to help people and to positively influence the people that I'm directly in contact with. Right. And like myself, just like you, like I'm a pretty accessible person. Like anybody can contact me at any time. I feel like you're very accessible as well. And, yeah. um, and because we're open in that way, people look to people like us uh, for advice and for, to help their art careers or whatever it is. And like, I just feel like uh, the more I'm doing that, I'm like, this, this is actually the reason I'm here, you know, like right. to help these people to potentially get further than I'll ever get, you know? Right. And, yeah, yeah. and there's just, I feel like it's this like root system of just like your, your little roots reaching out and just touching all these different things. And it's way bigger than any one of us can do, you know? So right. And, and we all, you know, the rising tide that raises yeah. boats, that sort of thing. It's like the more we do for the whole community, the better it will be for all of us individually as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Chet, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. That was um, fun. I'm just going to go through my, uh, my little spiel here at the end. Do it. Um, if you'd like to listen to other episodes of the Drawing From Experience podcast, you can find it on my website, drawingfromexperience.com. You can also stream and download on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, you can also join the Drawing From Experience creative community on Facebook, where every Wednesday we do Work in Progress Wednesdays. Every Sunday, I ask for creative conquests. Um, you can just search for that on Facebook, Drawing From Experience Creative Community. Um, you can email me at dfepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram at dfepodcast. Or you can also support my Patreon for the podcast, which is patreon.com slash experience. Or you can also find my personal Patreon at patreon.com slash shaneisakowski or my personal website, shaneisakowski.com, um, or find my art on Instagram or Facebook at shaneisakowskiartist. Do you want to do a sign-off for your for Dark Art Society podcast? Uh, you usually just say goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> I just say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah, I usually do my my 
thing. Well, how do people find, yeah. How do, how do people find for those of you who have been sitting here listening to us talk about it and don't know about the dark art society podcast, um, how do they find you out there? Uh, you can go to darkartsociety.com, which has, uh, I believe it's got a link on the, on the front page. It's being rebuilt all the time. We keep trying to make it better and better. And I think, uh, Josh is changing it to make it more open to all different people. Um, but, there's a link to, you know, you, wherever podcasts are, iTunes, SoundCloud is kind of our main page. But if you go to darkartsociety.com, you'll be good. And then if you want to join the Patreon, which allows you in the Facebook group, we've been, the private Facebook group we've been talking about where the real action happens, that is um, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And you can join for just a dollar to get in on that. Uh, yeah, and I got a Patreon, patreon.com slash chetzar. I'm uh, working on a website, chetzar.com. I have it up, but it sucks. Oh, okay. Uh, it's all messed up. So it's not, really, <laughs> it's not, it's like halfway built, but I just yeah. threw it up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right, dude. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, this has been awesome. It's been really cool. And um, I look forward to seeing the dark art movement fucking grow. Yeah. You know, let's do it, people. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Bye, audience. Bye, audience. Bye-bye.